Nitro on TNT, and let's get right down to it. They are live here tonight. Woo! Tremendous action coming your way. Hey, how's Christmas been to you so far? Hey, Santa Peppy wants to say Merry Christmas to everybody out there. And brother, do we have a, a, some wrestling up for these people tonight to get over that turkey hangover, baby? How about you? Did you get what you wanted? I'd like to see him come down the chimney with one of those Dura logs in it. You know what I mean? Enough, enough. We have got action coming your way here on WCW Monday Nitro on TNT. Welcome, everyone. It's Merry Christmas here where the big boys play 20 years of Nitro. This is, of course, our week-by-week -week breakdown of WCW's flagship show, where each episode is reviewed on the 20th anniversary of the day it aired. I am your host, Tim Root, riding uh, in the sleigh tonight. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I, I am your host, Tim Root, and I am joined, as always, by my broadcast partner, Dave Amantorp. Dave Merry Christmas, you son of a gun. <laughs> and a Merry Christmas to you, too. What a gift we have of another WCW Monday Nitro to enjoy, uh, and we're gonna start. We're gonna start off with a doozy of a match too. Oh yeah, we're <laughs> gonna get to that in one moment. Because first, I want to remind everyone that they can find us at Facebook.com/slash Twenty Years of Nitro, at Twitter at Twenty Years of Nitro, and they can email the show at Twenty Years of Nitro at Gmail.com. But Instead of all of those, why don't you find us at PileDriverWrestling.net in the Old School Wrestling Podcast section? How about that? We're there along with a lot of other great shows that you should definitely check out. There's a lot of quality, quality content at PileDriverWrestling.net. Why don't you make a little Christmas gift to yourself and head on over there right now? Maybe uh, they might have t-shirts. Buy a t-shirt? Why don't you? <laughs> if they don't have t-shirts, uh, email Luke and say, hey, Luke, why are there no t-shirts? Uh, anyway, this was taped uh, one week earlier, actually. Uh, so this was taped at the same time that last week's... Well, not at the same time that last week's show aired. That would be a complete clusterfuck of uh, <laughs> epic proportions. It was taped after last week's show had concluded. So we are still in Augusta, Georgia at the Civic Center. Uh, Bischoff, as you heard, wishes us a Merry Christmas. And though... Uh, he never says that we are live. He does say that they are live here in the building tonight, like referring to the crowd. <laughs> so he uses the word live uh, misleadingly, but as you notice the graphic that always proclaims that Nitro is live, yeah. uh, it is not up this week. And this is only the second uh, tape Nitro that we have seen. And by all appearances, I, I believe that this one was actually recorded after uh, the previous week's um, oh, sure. Whereas last time they'd kind of flip-flop stuff around, it seemed like. Yeah. Uh, the the one big clue, uh, and I alluded to this last week, actually, that you can definitely see that this is the same place as those fans dressed as Hulk Hogan in the front row. Right. I would have maybe given them a free T-shirt or something because it makes <laughs> it painfully obvious because they're very noticeable fans. Right. <laughs> Santa Pepe wishes us a Merry Christmas, and we rush right to the ring where Lex Luger is coming out uh, to face uh, Scotty Riggs, who has got the jobber entrance this week. Yeah, it appears as Lex Luger is continuing his American Males Challenge as he <laughs> faced Marcus Bagwell the previous week. Bischoff reminds us that the main event uh, tonight is Flair versus Savage for the title. Starcade is coming up in two days uh, in a rare Wednesday pay-per-view. 
Uh, Kevin Sullivan on his podcast, he he's not positive, uh, but he believes that the reason for this was there was some kind of writer strike that was coming up, and uh, there was a chance that the camera operators were going to strike in like solidarity with the writers. Huh. So there was concern that WCW would be unable to even produce the pay per view had they waited any longer. Um, so this it was something that was coming up with a deadline. So they were able to plan this, you know, weeks in advance. Uh, it's not like they decided, you know, all of a sudden to have it on Wednesday. But this the strike was coming up. They didn't. They weren't sure how it was going to shake out. So they decided to have a pay per view the Wednesday after Christmas, which is just a, a bizarre choice. But that's what we're going with. <laughs> Scotty Riggs and Lex Luger lock up until Riggs pushes Lex off the ropes, but Lex hits a shoulder tackle and flexes. Back and forth action uh, ends with a couple drop kicks by Riggs as the announcers put over Lex Luger's recent dominance. They kind of go over all the the guys he's been beating later lately. Uh, a frustrated Luger though is throwing a tantrum on the outside after Riggs nails him with a flying forearm, and this is very similar to his match last week with Bagwell. Yeah, where uh, he gets in the first offense, then the babyface gets in a little bit, and he powders out to throw a tantrum on the outside. It's it's like the exact same formula. Yeah, I now I was really curious. I'm curious as far as to everything that he was shouting because when the camera comes up to him, you could hear the end of his sentence, which is on national TV, <laughs> 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 as though Scotty Riggs did something that was offensive and should be shown. Something else that's weird is Scotty Riggs accompanied Marcus Bagwell to the ring last week right. now that it's Scotty Riggs turn Bagwell is nowhere to be found <laughs> and I'm assuming since you know this is the last show before their kind of Christmas break that he did his match uh you know before this taping happened and as soon as his match was done he was in a like car back to wherever his you know house <laughs> right. was so he, the, no no loyalty for <laughs> back from this tag team or maybe he's back at the gym because that's the way he can get one over on <laughs> right uh, Bischoff starts doing his speculation bullshit uh, <laughs> while Riggs, Riggs is in the ring and he gets an arm drag and locks on a wrist lock. Uh, Bischoff starts speculating, you know, whose side is Sting on? Is he with Lex? All this bullshit. Bobby then says that he believes that Sting is going to be, you know, essentially turning heel. He doesn't use those terms. Right. Uh, but he believes that, that Sting is going to be going with Lex at Starcade. But that doesn't make a ton of sense since they'll be opposing each other it in the match. Make, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Uh, Bischoff then tells Bobby and Mongo to stop speculating because I guess he's a dumb hypocrite. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, he goes, he goes, there's a difference between reading between the lines and making up the lines yourself, <laughs> right. which I mean, I guess that's true, but he's constantly making up the lines himself to use yeah. his own definition yeah. or analogy. In, in particular, when it comes to Sting and Luger's <laughs> relationship. God. I mean, how many times have they had matches where he psychoanalyzes everything that happens? And once Heenan has an opinion, like, maybe this is what's going to happen, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Back off here. In the ring, Luger goes for a back body drop, uh, but Sting turns it into another arm drag and this time slaps on an arm bar. Jimmy Hart gets into it at ringside with the fans, including the aforementioned uh, Rubes and the Hogan costumes. Mm hmm. Also, we, there was a uh, a giant bee in the stands, too. Yeah. I noticed that. And I don't remember the bee being there. The being there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas. What do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Riggs uh, whips Lex into the ropes, but Lex holds on, uh, causing Scotty to miss a dropkick. Luger then misses a clothesline, and Riggs follows with a crossbody for a one count. Lex blocks a vertical suplex and lifts up Riggs and drops him gut first across the ropes. A Luger clothesline then knocks Riggs to the outside. Lex then pulls Riggs back up onto the ring apron and suplexes him back into the ring for a two count. Luger attacks uh, Riggs in the back and gets an Irish whip to the corner, but Riggs manages to counter a splash attempt with a big boot, and he takes control, hitting a back body drop and an inside cradle for a two count. And uh, I'm just kind of curious, what what do you think of Scotty Riggs? We've seen him in tag team action before. This is his, his first solo match. How does he compare maybe to his partner, uh, Marcus Bagwell, in your estimation? Uh, he's he's a decent wrestler. Um, I can't really... Uh, I, I don't think he's anything extraordinary. Right. Um, he really he doesn't have much charisma in no. my eyes. No, I, I think he's very acceptable in the ring. But other than that, there isn't anything else like that stands out about him. And for a guy in a in a tag team whose gimmick is like we're real good looking young guys, he's not a good. He's guy. not a good looking guy. Like Bagwell's a real handsome guy. He yeah. was uh you know to use uh, Ric Flair's parlance, he was a dick dancer. <laughs> but Scotty Riggs just looks like. A guy with, like, a fashionable haircut for the time. I mean, it's aged terribly. <laughs> right. Uh, and some earrings, you know. He, it's, it does, I don't, he just really doesn't have a lot of appeal for me. I'm definitely not a Scotty Riggs fan. No, I, I the only thing I can think of, like I said, is that he, he's, he's decent in the ring. Sure. Um, nothing I can say really, like, up or down about him. He just doesn't, I, doesn't really uh, elicit any sort of reaction for me. Riggs heads to the top rope for a double axe handle, but Lex moves and Scotty bumps onto his back, uh, which doesn't make a lot of sense because he's coming down with a move where he's, you know, falling forward with his arms in front of him to hit Lex in either the head or the back. But then he falls, he like turns in midair and falls on his back. And if you kind of look, Lex moves his arm as if he's sweeping Riggs's legs. Yeah. But he is a solid, like, three feet away from him. Yeah, he's not remotely close. So it's when you look at it, you it doesn't make any sense, and then you have to kind of piece together, oh, I, I guess what Lex was doing was supposed to have caused that to happen. Yeah. Uh, Lex then hits a body slam and a torture rack, and the crowd pops surprisingly uh, when Luger gets the win here. They, they pop huge. And it's weird because it's the same crowd that he wrestled in front of last week which was actually like an hour ago in yeah. real time and they didn't i don't remember them popping big for him then not only that but like the the timing of their reaction made me feel like there was something else going on that i couldn't see is it i mean maybe it's possible that since this was a tape show they sweetened the audio but why would you sweeten the audio to have the crowd pop for your heel so that doesn't quite make sense to no. me and, and like the actual physical reaction of the crowd suggests that they were cheering yeah so, that's true yeah um, it's i so i just i don't know i don't know why the crowd's going nuts for maybe like dave said maybe uh somebody was was in a fight in the stands and uh, who knows maybe maybe the, the bee was up to antics oh so many antics <laughs> maybe santa showed up for a cameo and the cameras just missed him oh uh amazingly in the replays following the match they show that missed axe handle spot from a different angle that only highlights how far away Luger <laughs> right. is. Like, the angle is specifically designed to show how bad that botch was. It is clearly the Christmas show, and no one gives a fuck. <laughs> right. Sp 
Speaking of guys that don't give a fuck, here comes Gene Okerlund. <laughs> <laughs> he is standing by with Sting, uh, and he Gene is startled by Sting's pyro going off behind us, uh, or behind them, not behind us. <laughs> if it went off behind us, <laughs> and Gene Okerlund found a way to be surprised by that 20 years ago, I would be baffled at how timelines worked. Uh... <laughs> Now I'm totally lost. <laughs> I just brain fucked myself. Uh, Okerlund wishes us a Merry Christmas and says that he hopes uh, Heenan got a Christmas goose, which he says like it's supposed to be an insult, but that sounds like a, pl- a nice thing. A Christmas <laughs> goose. That sounds very pleasant. <laughs> I, I feel like that's a reference to something that's way too old for me to understand. That's very possible. <laughs> uh, he asks Sting about his relationship with Lex and Sting is tired of talking about it. Oh, that question. He goes, what are you, some kind of investigative journalist? And uh, Okerlund tries to protest and say that, yes, he is, which is <laughs> completely laughable. <laughs> yeah, he uh, Sting gets animated about being tired of this question. He, for a second, looks like he's at a walk-off because he's just beside himself. I will say that I like this Sting a lot more than last week's Sting. Mm-hmm. Last week's promo was just very flat. This time, he, like you said, he's animated. He's, yeah. he's got a lot more energy going into it. He says basically that Lex is his friend and that he is working hard to stop Lex from being such a dick all the time to everybody. Right. Uh, he says that, yes, Lex snapped for some of the wrong reasons, but also he had some of good reasons for snapping, too, which, uh, you know what, somewhat justifiable given, as we've talked about in past episodes, how Lex is, was, has been, and uh, not only before his heel turn, but uh, or not only after, but before his heel turn uh-huh. by Hogan and Savage. Basically, all the main event faces except for Sting. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at the way that Hulk Hogan treats Lex Luger, he has every right to be upset because Hulk Hogan makes up reasons for Lex to say that Lex Luger is doing something bad, and then he'll come in to like cost him a match or something like right. that. Gene then asks Sting about Flair, and Sting says he just wants one more chance to lock Flair in the Scorpion Deathlock and never let go. Never. Gene then, uh, as like a complete afterthought, remembers to ask Sting about the World Cup of Wrestling, yes. which is supposed to be the focal point of our pay-per-view that's two days away, yep. and Sting just says some like very general USA rah-rah bullshit. Uh-huh. It, like, with no enthusiasm. It clearly, like, nobody gives a fuck about this. Like, Sting seems, if anything, surprised that someone remembered to ask him about yeah. it. I And just, rem- you know, I was thinking about, I was like, so who is Sting facing? Uh, He's facing Kensuke Sasaki, the current, the current United States champion <laughs> for WCW. Yeah. Good Lord. I mean- I mean, and you know that because we've done so much, like, research right. on this era, but... Nothing on Nitro has suggested that. Yeah. I mean, they barely mentioned that there's going to be Japanese wrestlers, let alone any idea who they're facing. Of the seven New Japan stars who will be appearing in the World Cup of Wrestling at Starcade, two of them have ever wrestled on Nitro. Uh-huh. Jushin Thunder Liger, way back in episode one, Yep. and Kensuke Sasaki, who fought... Uh, Benoit, what was that, maybe four or five weeks ago? Yeah. And so those guys have appeared, but that's, I mean, that wasn't building the Starcade. Those were months ago. Yeah, and they both lost, too. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and, and, I mean, Sasaki at some point won the U.S. title, but that is has been as swept under the rug as you possibly can right. get. Right. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't just show that match. It, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the right reaction. <laughs> uh. 
we go to a commercial and when we come back they're showing the big metal WCW logo that they you know have constructed as part of the set uh-huh. and there's some poinsettias in the middle of the sea and I thought that was kind of a nice touch actually <laughs> that was very Christmassy yeah and they do they do another one they're they're famous like weird sequences where Sting does an interview then goes to the back right and then comes back out again well and since they're taping this who knows what order some of all this happened in you know yeah it might not have been so weird when you saw it in person big bubba rogers heads to the ring uh and bischoff worries that sting is not in the holiday frame of mind (laughs) Uh oh (laughs) Uh, as bobby goes on to say that you just can't trust sting right now Sting comes out, and Mongo assures us that Sting will not turn by literally saying the words, Sting will not turn. (laughs) They've used the word swerve in the show a few times, and now they've just gone ahead and say turn. Oh, that's right. Sting had that um, that segment with Ric Flair on Saturday Night. Are you going to swerve me? He says it like 78 times. Sting, uh, once again, is a goofy bastard during his entrance, this time... Uh, just kind of stopping to admire the scorpions projected along the aisle by the lights overhead. <laughs> he just takes like a long time to be like, whoa, these are cool, <laughs> and like pointing them out and stuff. God, there's there's different versions of Sting, and Entrance Sting <laughs> is the most endearing wrestler in all of WCW. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Entrance Sting has more charisma than Batch Sting. <laughs> and Batch Sting has plenty of charisma. Yeah. The bell rings and Bubba gets right in Sting's face and starts talking some shit. He nails Sting with some punches, a kick, and a shoulder tackle. Uh, but Sting is right back up and Bubba is too busy taunting the crowd to notice. Randy Anderson hilariously taps Bubba on the shoulder and he turns around to see Sting flexing and acts like he's just completely shocked. <laughs> right. Uh, but Sting completely fails to take advantage of this and Bubba just hits him with an enziguri and takes control of the match. <laughs> so Sting... Sting popped up and no-sold it, but all he did was flex and then get beat up more. <laughs> I think I think this is the point where Bischoff is talking about Starcade. Uh, he talked about the triangle match. When it comes to the title, Sting wants it, Flair wants it, Savage wants to keep it, and who knows what Lex Luger is thinking. <laughs> and I, just... <laughs> I think he's thinking, I want the championship. <laughs> Seeing as he's referring to himself as the uncrowned world champion for weeks now. <laughs> right. I, I just feel like that that really showed, like, how Eric Bischoff really thinks about Lex Luger. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very easy to say, like, Lex Luger's going for the title. He's thinking about being champion. But, you know, Lex, when it comes to thinking, you never have He's a real dum-dum. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Sting fights his way back into the match with some punches and one of his patented shitty bulldogs. <laughs> Bubba heads uh, to the outside, and Heenan tells a very long story about hanging out with Los Angeles Dodgers manager Tommy Lasorda and Lasorda warning him that New Japan could win the World Cup of Wrestling. Yeah. It is the... And it seems like the only connection there is that there's... uh, Was it Hideo Nomo was pitching for the Dodgers at the time? There was a Japanese pitcher pitching for the Dodgers. Yeah, I think so. Uh, That's like the only connection to why this story involves Tommy Lasorda... Uh, and wrestling and the Japanese. It's it just it, it's just name dropping. It's a rare complete miss for Heenan <laughs> because it goes nowhere and it accomplishes nothing. And I think and uh, Bischoff at this point refers to the coveted World Cup of wrestling. Right, yes, that <laughs> was literally just invented for this event. <laughs> it's so coveted. We don't 
we have no idea what it looks like. Yeah, and we none have... of the guys who are fighting for it have appeared on the show in months. Well, none of the other team, I guess I should say. Right. It also, correct me if I'm wrong, and we've got time because there's not a lot to talk about in this episode. <laughs> no, there really uh, Did it seem to you when the idea was first broached of the World Cup of Wrestling that there was an implication that if New Japan won, they would somehow kind of take over? Did it seem like there was an aspect of takeover to it at first that now has been whittled down to just somebody gets a trophy? Yeah, I I think with the with the purchasing of that fifty percent of pro. Yeah. Um, it seemed like there was a little bit of that infiltration of of Japanese, of the Japanese wrestlers. Not like not like having a partnership with WCW, but right. like just taking part of WCW. Um, I really the whole. This whole story from when Sanyono showed up with the Japanese wrestlers till now feels like you kind of feel like at some point that this relationship, like the business relationship, soured. Yeah. And and they're like, I mean, we we have this schedule, we have to go through with this World Cup still, but we we just we don't want to. I think they're just like kind of waiting for this relationship to end. And it's it's um clear that they've decided to tell 99% of the story on their other programs. Yeah. Because I do think that to some degree this is being developed, but it certainly isn't on Nitro. Uh-huh. And as we are a Nitro podcast, we are just missing all that. But Nitro is their flagship show, and this is their biggest pay-per-view of the year, so that strategy is very bizarre to me. Uh, Sting hits another patented shitty bulldog on the outside of the ring this time, <laughs> and I thought Bubba really sold it well. He kind of crawls away holding his face, and yeah. it's just it's good it's good quality selling. Good on you, Ray Trailer. <laughs> Back in the ring, uh, they lock up and trade wrist locks, uh, which is the most exciting sentence in all of wrestling. Sting wrenches Bubba's arm a few times until Bubba sticks him with an eye gouge. Bubba then hits a big splash in the corner as Bischoff tells us that Hogan is suspended through the end of the year. Uh, which is six days from now. Yeah. So the WWE executive, WCW executive committee, uh, not really taking this very seriously that he's punched several referees and hit many people with chairs. <laughs> they gave him a week and a half suspension. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> all he's really missing is Starcade, which we, he was missing anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It's like they want to give a storyline excuse why he's missing Starcade, but he's never been billed for Starcade. It's been clear forever that he's not on the card. Right. The real reason that Hulk is taking some time off uh, and missing Starcade is that he is going to film the fi- movie Santa with Muscles. Uh, and I want to, for everyone's enjoyment right now, read the plot description of Santa with Muscles from Wikipedia. Okay. Blake, Hulk Hogan, is a self-made millionaire who sells Propecia against his workers and whilst on the way to a cage match one day, period, chased by the police... He drives recklessly in his car to a shopping mall and hides out inside, changing into a Santa Claus costume. He slides down a garbage chute to escape the police and bangs his head to get amnesia. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) Mistaken by Lenny as the mall Santa, Blake begins to think he is Santa Claus. Meanwhile, evil scientist Ebner Frost tries to take over an orphanage in order to gain access to the magical crystals underneath it and dispatches his henchmen to destroy it. But Blake manages to save the children. (laughs) Who's Lenny? (laughs) 
that were well written, it would be bizarre. But the <laughs> fact that Santa would that the Wikipedia article is written by like a seven year old. <laughs> he oh, sells yeah. Propecia against his workers. <laughs> what does that mean? I like, I like the I like the part where it suggests he gave himself amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, god if i go down the slide i'll get amnesia <laughs> okay okay so back to the match <laughs> oh bubba works a headlock on the ground and sting works his way to his feet and they go back and forth a bit as the announcers yammer on and on about hogan on the outside sting hits a chop and some punches and bischoff goes Whoa, it's Sting doing the chopping, some slapping, and some uh, punching. <laughs> I don't know why he suddenly goes some a-punching, but it seems like Mongo must be wearing off on him. <laughs> Sting rolls Bubba back into the ring and heads to the top rope, uh, where Bubba thumbs him in the eye again. Bubba tries to do some kind of, some kind of move. He just kind of picks Sting up and like he's going to slam him, mm-hmm. but Sting reverses it into an inside cradle. So the only thing you can call that move is a thing that gets rev- uh, reversed into an inside cradle. Yeah. Like, there's no real move that it looked like. It, it, it's a top rope inside cradle. But, <laughs> right. Which, which I think is the first of its kind and, and gets the win. Uh, so Sting Sting picks up a win. Lex Luger picks up a win. Uh, it's starting to feel familiar from last week a little <laughs> bit. A little bit, yeah. Uh, as we head to commercial, the Nitro logo is uh, shown on a stocking hanging in front of a roaring fire. So that's a nice Christmassy touch. Mm-hmm. As we fade back in, uh, a Santa hat-clad Gene Okerlund is standing by with Lex and Jimmy Hart. And uh, let's go ahead and hear what happens next. (laughs) Again, Merry Christmas, everybody. Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South. You still got the bowling shoes on. Forget that story. Lex Luger, this Wednesday night live from Nashville, Tennessee, the granddaddy of them all, Starcade. You're going to be involved in the team competition as well as the triangle match. Ric Flair, Sting, and yourself with the winner to meet the WCW World Heavyweight Champ. But Lex Luger, I'm gonna pose the question to you that I posed this thing. What's the deal? There's no deal happening now. We've been friends for 10 long years. That's the way it is. That's the way it's gonna remain. When you talk about a triangle match, you couldn't have a more premier matchup. The total package, Lex Luger, Sting, and the nature boy, Ric Flair. A lot of history goes down. But let me tell you something. Standing before you, as Jimmy and I have talked, as I've talked to everybody, including my good friend, Sting, I am the uncrowned WCW World Heavyweight Champion. And that's the way it is. That's the way it's going to remain until I have in my grasp what belongs to me. And that is the World Championship. All right, Jimmy Hart, uh, you've got to have some plans for this, man, if everything comes to fruition. Let me tell you something, Mean Gene. This guy is the uncrowned heavyweight champion of the world of the WCW, baby. You know it, I know it, and most of all the people know it. Hey, hey, Pittman, what are you doing here? I have no problem with you. You are, as far as I'm concerned, the uncrowned champion, but I'm here to talk to you. I want to go where he's going. Will you manage me, Jimmy Hart? Jimmy Hart, did you hear that from Sergeant Craig Pittman? What a premier athlete. Well, first of all, you came to the greatest manager ever in professional wrestling. After all, I was manager of the year this year, or should I say manager of the decade? But let me tell you, Sergeant Pittman, take your shirt off for a minute. Take your shirt off. Did you hear what he said? Take, take your shirt off. 
Now look at your body. Move over, Gene. And look at Lex Luger's body. Now why in the world would I want to manage you? Why don't you take this quarter and call a manager who needs a few good men? <laughs> I believe that's a big no. I thank you. Sorry about that, Pittman. I will find Stay tuned, Jay Allen, Dean Malenko. Next up, here on Monday Nitro. So, uh, as you can hear, they are given, uh, giving a pretty standard promo there when they are interrupted by Sergeant Craig Pittman. Uh, and that weird fucker is out looking for a manager again. <laughs> right. And this time, uh, not only is he rebuffed by Jimmy Hart as he was rebuffed last week by Bobby Heenan, uh-huh. but he is just outright buried yeah. for not having a good physique. Yes. And uh, I'd like to ask you, Dave, do you think Jimmy Hart thinks that the shark has a good physique because he <laughs> manages him? Or Kevin Sullivan. Right. It just needlessly buries Pittman. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and I don't know why. Like, maybe they're trying to get him in better shape, and they think, like, that's such a Vince move that he does with the women, you uh-huh. know, humiliate them with a fat character so they shape up or whatever. Yeah. Very weird moment. Yeah. And then there's also that part during it where Luger is talking about that he's going to be champion. Yeah. And it cuts to a, a shot of Sting, like he's reacting to the promo, but I don't think Sting's out there. I think I think that's from something else. It could be, because they would have had two weeks of footage of him to just throw in a reaction shot, I guess. Yeah. I, but It's real unclear, because they never go back to him or anything. It's or, just or, one shot of his face. Or suggest that he's out there at right. all. We head to another commercial break uh, after being teased with Malenko versus JL when we return. And as we come back, Malenko is out on his way to the ring Uh, And JL is out shortly after, apparently having dropped the Mr. from his name. So last week we had uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell dropping the Alexander. And now this week JL comes out and his graphic just says JL, although the announcers will use Mr. about half the time anyway. And I I don't know if they just don't remember or if the graphic got screwed up. I I guess I'm not positive, but it seems like they're moving to just calling him JL. Hmm. Malenko seizes control early with a dropkick to the back and an Irish whip. Followed up with a clothesline in the corner and a T-bone suplex for two. Yeah, I, I like that Dean Malenko had the sneak attack drop kick. Yeah. You don't see a sneak attack drop kick very often. It's a tough ma- It's a tough move to yeah come up sneakily w- uh, upon <laughs> right. someone with. They go through an impressive series of reversals and counters, including JL cartwheeling around an attempted mon- monkey flip. I thought that was real cool looking. Uh, the sequence eventually ends with a tilt-a-whirl head scissors by JL. And Malenko powders to the outside to recover, uh, but Jail joins him with a cannonball splash from the ring apron. That looked very impressive, I thought. Mm-hmm. So a lot of fast-paced action to start the match. Malenko eventually gets back up on the apron and is suplexed back into the ring by JL. Uh, Dean hangs onto the ropes in the corner as JL goes for a monkey flip, so this causes JL to land hard on the, on the mat. Bischoff reminds us uh, Medusa arriving last week and proclaiming that this is where the big girls play, but it's certainly telling that she didn't have a match after that last week, and she doesn't have a match tonight, nor on Starcade in two days. <laughs> so yeah. they're trying to like keep it in our mind and make it out to be a big deal, but I don't know how big a deal it can be when there still has not been a women's match that we've seen. Yeah, I, I you kind of get the feeling that Bischoff got what he needed out of Medusa already. <laughs> yep, yep. JL bridges out of a pin attempt and hits a very impressive sit-out powerbomb. Malenko stops the pin at two by kicking JL on the face, you know, because that's kind of the position you end up in after a sit-out powerbomb. Yeah. I thought that was a real cool way of getting out of the pin. Uh, Malenko gets JL in, like, a powerbomb position, 
but he flips him all the way over his head, causing JL to land on the ropes behind him, throat first. Yeah. Very cool move. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malenko's ability to know where he is in the ring yeah. and, and like ring awareness, I guess, mm-hmm. and, and what kind of moves he can do in every different spot is just so impressive. After more back-and-forth action, JL heads to the top rope, but Malenko quickly joins him and nails one of my absolute favorite moves, his gorgeous top rope gut buster. But it's not Mr. JL's favorite anymore. No, it is not. <laughs> uh, so if you've never seen this move, he basically he he stands on the second rope. His opponent's on the top rope. He drapes his opponent across his shoulders and then pushes them up in the air while jumping forward so that he lands on one knee, uh, the other knee is kind of raised, and then the opponent lands on the raised knee mm-hmm. right in their gut. And it just looks amazing. This is not one of the better ones. Um, it took a long time to set up, I kind of thought. Yeah. But it still looks so impressive when he hits it. The announcers do not know what to call it. Bobby just says, what a great move. Well, Eric calls it a side breaker, which I don't think is a move yeah. that exists. <laughs> Malenko then gets the submission victory by putting on an inside toe hold, which we haven't seen out of him before. I'm guessing that goes along with the man of a thousand holds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look like you have something to say. Oh, um, I I didn't know if you were going to point this out, but uh, Mr. JL suffered an injury during the uh, fireman's carry into a stomach breaker. Oh, I did not notice that. Um, if you if you saw, he starts holding his right arm from from right after he landed. Oh, and they, the announcers point that out. I guess I just thought it was selling. No, he actually broke his arm. Oh shit! I did not get. I did not notice. Yeah, that. good research. Because I, I know, I noticed he was like holding it right away. Yeah. In the replay, when he was coming down, he landed like on his palm, and I think that just oh. the velocity broke his arm, and so he ends up being out of action for quite some time. After wow. This. Um, but well, normally I'm the one doing the research, but thank God you were picking up the slack. Yeah, this week. so while I kind of feel like Dean Malenko went with like the quick leg lock move while Mr. JL is holding his yeah. arm, uh, and they go for like kind of a quick submission victory. Because, yeah, with a broken arm, you wouldn't want to take the Texas Cloverleaf. So. No, because you're going to be kind of laying on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, good, good note. We go to a commercial, and then uh, as we come back. We get a Ric Flair promo interrupted by Jimmy Hart, and let's uh, hear their back and forth now. It's beginning to seem a, a little like Christmas, Ric Flair, because here we are, Christmas Day, two days from now, the granddaddy of them all, live from Nashville, Tennessee, Starcade 95, available exclusively on pay-per-view. Busy night for you tonight before we even get to Starcade. Coming up right here on Monday Nitro, you're going to be facing WCW World Heavyweight Champ, that ain't your boy Ric Flair. Would it be 12 times? What has taken place, Gino Galen, is simply this. Savage is about to wrestle Ric Flair on this show. And you know, like I know, that the great one cannot be denied. Jimmy Hart, this is an influence. You're talking, move it. Rick, let me just say something right now. First of all, I want to apologize to you of what happened last week out here when Kevin Sullivan came out and rudely erupted you and Iron Anderson. I want to apologize from the bottom of my heart because, you know, Kevin Sullivan's got a short fuse and, and so does Brian Pillman. So I want to apologize. But here's what I want to ask you, Rick. Tonight, you're taking a Randy Macho Man Savage for the WCW Heavyweight Championship of the World. 
Let me tell you, man, I owe you one because a couple of weeks back on Monday Nitro, you saved my life when Randy Savage grabbed me by my tie and tried to give me a root canal with his fist, man. You mean when Charles Barkley was at my side that night? Absolutely, but you saved my life, and I owe you one. And Jimmy Hart always pays back his debts. So, Ric Flair, that's what I'm asking you. You're the immortal one. You're the nature boy. You are going to be the next WCW heavyweight champion of the world. So what I would like to do is to go down to ringside with you tonight to be there when you become the WCW heavyweight champion of the world. What do you say, Rick? What do you say, baby? High five, low five. Jimmy Hart, high five, low five. If you want to sit there ringside when I beat Macho Man tonight, make yourself happy, brother. But start putting the party together, because we are going to style and profile. Thank you very much, Jimmy Hart, to be in the corner of the Nature Boy. That and more when we come back with Monday Nitro. Don't go away. So there you have it. Uh, Jimmy Hart apologizes for the Taskmaster popping off at the Four Horsemen last week and offers to accompany Ric Flair to the ring for his big title match against Savage, which Flair graciously accepts. Yeah, Jimmy Hart kind of just sold taskmaster up the river for that it's because nobody has any respect for the dungeon of doom at all <laughs> no no and like i said last week brick flair the character seemed like he didn't care right the taskmaster was mad and then this week for jimmy hart to basically say right the taskmaster sh- shouldn't complain to you about that sort of thing i like you so much in fact i want to pretty much be your manager right. now so he it's like he he saw Flair and he saw Taskmaster on both sides of the ring, and he's picking favorites now. My my guess is that he's being put with Flair to try to get heat on Flair, even though they're in Georgia. Yeah. Um. So I think this is just a one-off. I don't think he's really Flair's manager going forward. It's just let's try to get heat on Flair and the crowd to cheer for Randy. And this is quite a this is a tendency that they have for Nitros where they where they think they're going to pull something off during a show right. to convince people who know these characters for such a long time to suddenly boo them, and it, it never works. It's like the, um, you know, having Ric Flair out and and uh, Bret Hart and whoever else to talk about how great Roman Reigns is. Like, R- right. if the crowd feels one way about Roman Reigns and they're going to react a certain way, play to his strengths and find a way to make that work mm-hmm. rather than try to find all these gimmicks to force the crowd to see things your way because that that almost never pans out right and and you know i feel especially uh at this time when when wrestling was not as much on about internet and about like up to minute backstage stuff right um that when you went to a show you had an idea how you felt about every single wrestler Mm -hmm. and a little minute change in like adding a manager or something like that it's not going to really change yeah. the way you feel about like Ric Flair. Ric Flair is my favorite wrestler, and I love the Four Horsemen. I think they're the greatest. But oh, Jimmy Hart's with him. Boo! <laughs> right? They, I mean that that's just a case of uh, the uh, Bischoff assuming fans are a lot dumber than they are. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Uh, coming back from commercial, Ric Flair is out first, followed by the Macho Man. Uh, why this match is coming on TV for free? two days before it could happen at Starcade is beyond me. Like, Nitro is unopposed. Today is Christmas. Right. Why give away your potential main event for your pay-per-view for free? 
I, I don't know. Why, thing, Dave? The only thing I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's up to me. The only thing I can think of is, uh, is the fact that they, they hyped up last week. They want to convince people to, on a holiday, watch Nitro. When, when they have to know it's going to be effect. I mean, they're unopposed, right, but still the night of Christmas. So maybe having this marquee title match would really help. But, uh, I mean, other than that, I agree. I think it's um, having these title matches two weeks in a row really takes away from, like, from the title match at Starcade being special. As Savage hands over the belt to the referee, Bobby claims that it is 50 pounds of golden diamonds, which seems like a slight exaggeration. (laughs) (laughs) Macho and Flair circle each other to start the match as Bischoff calls Starcade the best pay-per-view of the year, uh, despite the fact that the New Japan angle that will make up 75% of the show has not been promoted on (laughs) Nitro at all. Right. The combatants lock up and Macho Man powers Flair into the corner where they're separated by Randy Anderson. Flair woos at Macho, so Savage just spits in his face. What? Yeah, Flair <laughs> woos and you just see the spit fly at, at Flair's face and Flair looks like genuinely pissed off. Well, I mean, nah. I would be too. <laughs> he thumbs Macho in the eye and nails some chops before missing a falling knee. Macho whips uh, Rick's leg into the post a few times and locks into figure four. Uh, So this is now, you know, going to kind of sell for a little bit of the match here that Flair now has an injured knee. Um, But he escapes the figure four by Jimmy Hart hilariously pushing the rope to where it's within his reach. (laughs) I thought that was a pretty cute little spot. Because that probably gets it like an inch or two closer. (laughs) The two uh, lock up in the corner again and Randy nails uh, goes up to nail the 10 punch spot. But Flair counters this into an inverted atomic drop which he also does a great job of selling because it was on the knee that was supposedly just injured earlier. Yeah. So I, I really liked that from Flair selling that he just used that knee in an offensive move. So at least he remembers that it's supposed to be hurting. Right. But he despises his opponent so much <laughs> that he just disregards every injury he has. Flair goes for his own figure four, but Randy reverses it into a small package for a two count. Back and forth action uh, ends with Randy on the floor on the outside. Generally, by the way, when I say back and forth action, because I use that term a lot, it just means these guys are punching each other, and I don't feel like describing all like little punches and kicks. I just try to move to actual right. spots. Yeah. Uh, so Randy ends up on the floor where Jimmy Hart kicks him a few times, uh, but Mongo assures us that Jimmy Hart's too small for those kicks to hurt at all, <laughs> which kind of makes Savage, the champion, look like a pussy because he was selling those kicks like they hurt. <laughs> right. We go to a commercial, and as we come back, these two are still brawling on the outside. Flair whips Randy into the metal guardrail, and a bunch of kids show up on the other side of that guardrail to just kind of start patting Macho and grabbing at his arm and grinning at the camera. (laughs) Yeah. It was to the point where the announcers had to mention, it's like, oh, some fans coming here to support Macho Man. (laughs) Uh, Macho then tries to drag a chair from the audience side of the rail to the ring, but he's stopped by Randy Anderson. So I don't really get why he even bothered grabbing it because it never even makes it to the ring. Yeah. It was like Chekhov's gun. Like they introduced this thing, but it doesn't play any. The only thing I I liked is that he, he kind of looked like he was all punched out. So maybe he wasn't, he didn't have like the awareness. He just grabbed a weapon because he's in survival mode. And I, I I thought like that little moment worked out. Obviously, like you said, it would, work a lot better if the chair was actually used but like his uh psychology in that i thought was really effective 
Flair gets Randy back in the ring and maintains control. Uh, Jimmy Hart chokes Randy while Flair distracts Randy Anderson. Ric Flair stomps on the Macho Man's arm a few times and locks in a hammer lock using the ropes for leverage, trying to get the cheap and easy win. But Randy escapes and hits a desperation clothesline for a two count. He then goes for, uh, tries a backslide for another two count. There's another Flair yes. taking a backslide uh, <laughs> that you love so much. Oh, God, it's amazing. <laughs> they trade punches and chops before Flair goes down uh, and Savage pins him for another two count. Flair then starts begging off and the ref tries separating them uh, and that causes the ref to miss when Flair swings his leg back between Macho Man's legs for a sneaky low blow. Mach uh, Mongo repeats his line that you pointed out a few weeks ago about parting your hair to go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that's some kind of Mongo phrase for you got hit in the crotch. I don't, but I don't know what it means. No. Maybe I, we let's we'll, we'll try googling that after the show and maybe that'll uh, be our we can ring in the new year by telling <laughs> <laughs> by telling the 20 years of Nitro universe uh, <laughs> what the fuck that means. <laughs> right. Flair suplexes Randy for a two count, starts hitting some rabbit punches and Bischoff sends us to yet another commercial. On our return, we find Flair chopping Savage in the corner. Uh, Savage blocks a few chops and get in some right hands and then a back body drop for another two count. Flair rolls to the outside and Randy goes for a double axe handle from the top rope, but Flair sidesteps and hits him in the gut. They end up back in the ring and Flair hits a shoulder block, uh, but an attempted second shoulder block is kind of converted into a sleeper hold by Savage. Flair manages to escape by lifting him up and hitting a shin buster. Flair then starts isolating Macho Man's knee to set up the figure four again. Bobby says that Macho has a bad wing, a bad hoof, and a bad wheel. And I would love to see a creature that had all three <laughs> of those things. Flair locks on a figure four, but Randy manages to find the ropes. Flair goes to the top rope, but is slammed down. Flair gets Macho in the eye and locks on a sleeper hold. Macho pushes Flair into the corner. Uh, Flair sets up a pile driver, but Macho reverses it into a back body drop for two. Macho goes for another double axe handle off the top ropes, this time managing to connect for another two count. Jimmy Hart then grabs Randy's leg as he's whipped off the ropes, and Randy gets pissed, so he pulls Hart up to the apron and punches him before punching Flair. He then gets down on the ground and starts hitting Flair with some more punches until Lex Luger runs in and attacks the Macho Man, causing Randy Savage to win this very long, somewhat boring match by disqualification. Uh, just one, the one thing I wanted to point out, because I have like exactly one note about this match. <laughs> uh, with the last figure four leg lock that Savage had on, uh, Flair was clearly pinching his arm. Yeah, <laughs> and and he and and biting at his fingers as though he was like suffering numbness. Or oh, like I a, saw him bite his own fingers. Yeah. I, yeah, his own fingers. You're saying? Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and he and he was he was like pinching his forearm. Oh, that I miss. Interesting. Um, and it just was, like, really weird, and it seemed like he was trying to casually get feeling back in his arm or something huh. like that. Interesting. Um, it's un it's unfortunate that there's, like, these two potential injuries when you didn't when you didn't read the West Wrestling Observer. Because <laughs> that's usually where all the... If there was, like, anything weird that happened, the Wrestling Observer would have something about it. All right. Hang on. I'm going to pause the show. We're going to bring up the Wrestling Observer, and when we come back, we'll note if Flair had any injury. Oh, you know what, though? He had that torn rotator cuff, which we do know about. Okay. Uh, uh, so did, he, did he? 
I thought he left for surgery for that though. No, he decided not to get surgery. He's he hasn't taken any time off from okay. the rotator cuff. So probably that his injury probably got aggravated and gave him numbness. Yes, that that would be a safe assumption. Okay. Ha, ah, we don't need you, Meltzer. <laughs> right. I want my whatever I pay you back, <laughs> seven ninety nine or whatever it is. Because we're we're clearly like physicists. <laughs> physicists. You no, know, we're not clearly <laughs> physicists. Too Phys- much eggnog for old Dave. <laughs> I don't want to give the readers or the readers, the listeners, too much uh, knowledge of how the sausage gets made, but it is actually early November when we're recording this, <laughs> so it is hard to put myself in the Christmas frame of mind. <laughs> so Lex uh, is beaten up on Macho. Flair is beaten up on Macho. Sting runs in, and uh, he he. It's unclear what he's going to do, but Flair starts fighting him right away. So the announcers decide to play up the. Who was he going to help? Was he going to help Luger? Or was he going to help Macho? Uh-huh. Because Flair has sort of rendered that question moot by starting fight with him. Uh, the heels manages to escape, and this leaves Sting and Randy in the ring. They do the Luger and Hulk spot back from the first episode, mm-hmm. where they back into each other and then like are surprised and angry to it, see one another. That is just cheesy as hell, too. It very much is. It, because they set it up, you saw it coming a mile away. Yep. Randy shoves Sting first and tempers Flair, and they just kind of, they don't fight, but they just sort of shove at each other. Yeah. And Randy Anderson works to keep them separated as we go off the air. Merry Christmas! (laughs) Potentially one of the biggest moments on Nitro of having those two just blow up and attack each other, and they just leave. Just fade out. Yeah. See, it's arcade. The whole episode was weird. Uh, as we go off the air, you can hear Mongo saying that he can't wait to see the Japanese go home with their tails between the, their legs. Uh, so good on Mongo for trying to promote the major angle of Starcade because <laughs> right. no one else was going to. No. Uh, what did you think of this episode? I mean, uh, yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you go first. No, it was it was just uh, there. Really, it really was not memorable. Um, yeah, I, it's you. You can't really say it was terrible. Mm-hmm. But it just like I felt this was the, one of the first weeks where I was like I got nothing to say like yeah it just who gives a shit about any of this right now yeah um I mean I I appreciated the fact that they had the four the potential four guys in the in the title match in the ring kind of getting that duking it out sure uh I mean obviously I mean I got to the point a few weeks ago where I'm like I just have to accept the fact that they just don't give a shit about the yeah so I'm not going to be mad they're not mentioning it because they're clearly just not going to worry about it. Um, I, boy, I mean, other than that, I, the other thing that was a highlight is <laughs> Jerry Lynn break his arm. <laughs> <laughs> Suck on that, Jerry Lynn. <laughs> no, we love you. You're a Minnesota boy. Yeah. All right. What was your match of the night? Uh, boy, um, I, I, I would probably have to go with Dean Malenko versus Mr. JL. It wasn't a very good match by their, st- I, it was Okay. Um, I, I, I just appreciate the fact that Mr. JL suffered an injury, but pretty much he didn't like immediately stop the match. He, he went to the finish. Sin Cara broke a finger and ended a match, you know, like this dude had his arm snapped and, and finished right. it. No, so. it's, it's right there with like the, with like the Bob Holly school of like continuing the match. <laughs> I was, uh, my match of the night is also Malenko JL. I was going to give the MVP to Malenko because he executed my, Favorite move of his, the top rope gut buster. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to give it to JL now that I know the full story there because 
he also he, there was some other very impressive spots in that match. Uh-huh. There was a lot of good counters and stuff. He had that great sit out power bomb. So now that I know that he also broke his arm and uh, at least stuck in there long enough to to submit and have the match end, uh, I'm going to switch mine from Malenko to JL. How about you? I I'm going to go with uh, Macho Man Randy Savage for this one. All right. Um, this is I'm saying this keeping in mind that the last two weeks were taped the same night. And so he had two title matches that he did probably within an hour and a half of each other. Pretty lengthy matches. Too. And with distinctly different opponents. Um, he worked, I thought he worked a really good match with the Giant, considering the Giant's capabilities. Mm-hmm. And then to come back and have a very lengthy physical match with Ric Flair. And yeah, it wasn't maybe a great match between the two, but I mean, a bad match between Macho Man and Ric Flair is still a competent, watchable match. Yeah. Well, maybe, you know, maybe it's not exciting. Maybe there's not a ton to say about it, but it's it's not bad television. It's not bad wrestling. Yeah, and and I also think that that finally, the last two weeks, they, they allowed focus on Randy Savage as being champion, even if it is like Hogan coming in. At least they're acknowledging that, that Randy right. Savage is the world heavyweight champion and is defending at Starcade. All right. Well, as we mentioned, there's no Raw recap this week because Raw did not air. Nitro was unopposed and got a 2.5 rating, which you could argue is not great because they're unopposed. But I would argue 2.5 on Christmas is pretty fucking good, actually. Yeah, I would. If you're going to have me guess, I would have guessed like 1.5 instead of 2.5. Um, yeah, that's a, I think that's a pretty decent number. So good on them. Uh, you got anything else to say or, or you want to go, uh, deck your halls? Uh, I, I'm honestly next week. I haven't, I haven't watched next week yet. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do and don't mention from Stargate. Right. (laughs) I, I, I really feel like next Monday it won't be shocking if they just don't mention the world cup at all. All right, well, next Monday you can join us here where the big boys play as we go through all the results of Starcade 1995, the World Cup of Wrestling. We've got the triangle match between Luger, Sting, and Ric Flair that will determine who then can challenge the Macho Man for his title on that very same night. And, of course, we will review the Nitro from the very next night because that's what we do here on 20 Years of Nitro. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Right now it is Sting doing the chopping. And he's oh. doing the slapping and the punching outside oh. the ring. 